0: All right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, welcome, welcome. I'm going to say everybody, man, here in Florence. It's so good to see your smiling faces. Can we give some love for our Lawrenceburg Faith Church family? Good to have you guys in the house. To all of our VIPs, everybody watching online, whether you are in the house or you're online, man, we consider you family. So glad you're joining in. I'm just going to tell you, I'm jacked up on some coffee right now. I've had four cups, which is about three more than I normally drink. I'm ready to go. Anybody ready for the word today? So we started a series several weeks ago entitled Homework, and for you that have been here, again, the whole premise of this series is how do we handle the storms of life? Storms are inevitable. We go through them, and what we found out is that Jesus doesn't promise a storm-free life, but a storm-proof life, that when the storms of life come, specifically, we have been through a very difficult season and really are still in that season of COVID, and what we have been finding out, not just through reading statistics, but many of you have found out firsthand that. When the stress of storms of life come your way, it impacts your marriage, it impacts your relationships. This season of COVID has impacted even how we're raising our kids. We have experienced financial challenges, mental health issues that I want to encourage you to be here next week. We're going to tackle some of those. And what we really found out is that how to navigate these in a way that's a win. And while the world has a lot to say about these seasons and these situations, We choose to lean into the words of Jesus. And this is what he said as we look at our lives. He said this. He said, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rains come in in torrents, and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, everyone read these three words, it won't collapse. Everybody say that. It won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. What Jesus was saying was, again, he's comparing your household, your family. Now, again, it's, it's varied in this room in Lawrenceburg. He's talking about whether you have a single house, whether you're a single parent, whether you have two kids, three kids, stepkids, no kids, whether it's your first marriage or your second marriage. Really, he's saying it's, it's your life. And if you'll build your life, if you'll build your house, if you'll build your home on his word, Here's what we've been saying through the series is that a strong foundation establishes a stable future. That storms are inevitably going to come our way in life. But the way we're going to weather the storms is to lean into the, the things that Jesus taught, to surrender our lives and surrender our hearts to what he taught. And so we've been through this series looking at, again, this concept of a home. And we've been looking at different areas of the home as it relates to our life. We've looked at the bedroom in marriage. We've looked at the family room and kids. Last week, we looked at the home office and looked at finances. Today, we're going to talk about one of our favorite rooms, or at least one of my favorite rooms. I want to talk about the dining room and our eating habits. Let's go. Can I get some love for food in the house? Here are some food facts that I think probably many of us can relate to. Did you know the average American spends 70 minutes a day eating food? Not just 70 minutes a day, but in any given year, we eat one ton, 2,000 pounds of food. Right? Have you ever heard yourself say, Feels like I've eaten a ton? It's because you have. (laughs) About 10% of that is specifically on Thanksgiving. 10 billion donuts, you know that had to make my list, 10 billion donuts in a year. 20% of our meals, one out of every five, we eat in a car. Isn't that crazy? It's really because at the end of the day, food is a big deal to us. In fact, I think if we're all honest, we don't miss many meals, right? It's just a part of who we are. It's a part of our culture. We build a large part of our lives around food. We build our lives around food when it comes to vacations, when it comes to business deals, when it comes to dating habits. Like we just continue to build our life around the dining room model of eating food. And it's okay. It's, again, it's just part of who we are, but why do we do it? Beyond culture, really, bottom line is we need food to function. Right? When you, when you take in food, um, um, some of you will be eating like that later today. By the way, the day of the bulk calories takes place on Sunday. You consume the largest amount of calories on a Sunday Right When we eat the food, what happens? God has designed our body to take in that food, to break it down, to ultimately feed ourselves, that we get the nutrients our body needs and primarily and ultimately the energy. So you can function, so you can breathe, so your brain can think, so your lungs can expand, so you can move from point A to point B. All of that comes through the function of food. And we all know that. That's not why we're here today. I didn't come to give you a health lesson. What I want to tackle today and what I want to talk about for a few minutes is what about spiritual food right we all have multiple meals I know kind of the intermittent fasting thing is a big deal but at the end of the day we're still eating whether we're waiting eight hours 12 hours 16 hours some of you radical people are like waiting every 20 hours to eat <laughs> some of you are eating three meals a day some of you are three meals three snacks like which is it should we eat a lot or a little like let's get the story straight I just went with the lot side for now But here's the question again, while we are busy feeding our face physical food, what about spiritual food? Here's what Jesus said, Matthew chapter 4 verse 4. Jesus said, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. One of the primary staples of a Middle Eastern first century diet was bread. And here we are 2,000 years later, come on, and everybody likes some bread. Whether you like white, wheat, wonder, come on, whether you like your bread from Olive Garden, from Longhorn, Outback, let's go. Come on, everybody's got room for carbs. Whoever's idea was to cut the carbs is a liar and a deceiver, and we rebuke them in Jesus' name. Here's what Jesus is saying, and so Jesus is saying to his first century audience who was very familiar, again, one of the key staples of their diet was bread. Jesus, on multiple occasions, when multitudes of hungry people came, two of the miracles that are recorded in the Gospels that Jesus did was he fed the multitudes, and one of the primary dietary items he provided in the diet of the miracle of the feeding of the 4,000 to 5,000 was bread, but Jesus said, listen, it's not enough to feed yourself physically food, because people, we don't exist. We don't live by bread alone, but rather by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What he was saying was, did you, know, did you know that our spiritual food is the pages of Scripture? He's saying that God's Word, the Bible, Scripture, is our spiritual food. In fact, you find that theme throughout Scripture. It said it multiple times, different, uh, different ways. Peter said this, 1 Peter 2.2, 2, like newborn babes, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you'll grow into the full experience of salvation. Did you know one of the things holding you back in your spiritual journey is you're not getting your spiritual nutrients? You're not getting the spiritual food you need to continue to move forward in your spiritual journey. First Timothy 4, 6, Paul said this. He said, we are nourished by the words of faith. I love Jesus. Jesus was the ultimate kingdom carbohydrate. Jesus replied, he said, I am the bread of life. And so everywhere you look in scripture, you see this comparison that the same way a physical person needs physical food to sustain themselves physically, that we are also spiritual people and we need some kind of spiritual sustenance to grow. And that spiritual sustenance is scripture. It's God's word. But what's crazy is while we don't miss many physical meals, statistics tell us that we are starving spiritually. Just a recent study was done um, that was actually released about mid-July, so just a few months ago. And it said things like this I thought was interesting, referring to people who read. This is people who said they read the Bible regularly. The first group of people were the people who said they read somewhat daily. And that number has dropped from 14% to 9%. So the church population said they're used to, only 14% read it on a regular basis daily, dropped from 14 to 9. Those who went from not doing it daily, but said, hey, I, I read it several times a week, whether it's your digital copy or your paper copy or your hardback or your softback, whatever it is you read, it dropped from those who were reading it several times a week from only 14% down to 12. The crazy stat to me is that in the last season of COVID, so again, COVID has exposed us. That's why many of us are struggling did you know, even those who said they even read the Bible, they eat their spiritual meal with any regularity, it's dropped from 20, uh, 24% down to 21 These numbers are the lowest numbers ever recorded in the history of our nation. We are starving spiritually. And so when you step into it, and I hear some of you are like, well, Pastor, like, isn't that what Sundays are for? Like, that's the spiritual meal. That's why we come is to eat spiritually. And I want you to know, I love what I get to do. I consider it a privilege. It's like on Sunday morning when I stand on this stage, I get to be the Bobby Flay of the Bible. I get to be the dude with the food, serving you up the carbohydrates of the kingdom to introduce you to the bread of heaven who is Jesus. Come on, I love the privilege to do that. But I think everybody would agree, you can't survive on one meal a week. Nobody's eating one meal a week physically. Because through the day, and your body physically will scream for food. You may not recognize it, but our spirit is screaming for food. And so God's word, like, recognizes this built-in need that God gave us. Again, not just a spiritual hunger or a physical hunger, but a spiritual hunger. Jesus said things like this. If anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Jesus said, if anybody's hungry, let him come to me and eat. So he's calling out this need that's on the inside of every single one of us, not just again for physical food, for our physical man, but for spiritual food, for our spiritual man. And in some way, if we're going to lean into God's word, if we're going to be who God's called us to be, we have to begin to eat spiritually because we need food to function. You say, what does spiritual food do for us? When you, when you peel back the page of the scripture, when you open up the word, when you click the app and it opens up in front of you, like, what does it do? What's really the purpose of God's Word? Because I know some of you are like little babies. You know how little babies eat, right? You try to feed a little infant something, and they've already decided they don't like it just based on how it looks. It's green. They're out. (laughs) And so, like, you try to feed a little baby, and they're like, "Mm," and they keep turning their head. Listen, it don't matter. It's coming at you. You're either going to get it on you or in you, but it's coming. (laughs) And if as your pastor I got to... Like, I'm going to feed you every Sunday, but at some point, you got to walk out of this building, and you got to build your own spiritual diet so you can be the people that God's created and called us and provided for us to become. What does a spiritual diet do? First of all, a spiritual diet gives us the capacity to become like Christ. How do we become like the person we're following? How do we, how do we take on his character? How do, we, how do we walk in his nature? How do we really learn to love people? How do we learn to walk in peace? How do, we, how do we learn to walk in grace? Ultimately, it's God's word. The same way as the physical nutrients get in your body and help you develop, when spiritual nutrients get in your body, you will have the capacity to become like Jesus. See, there's something different about this book. I know you live in a culture that frowns at it and that that puts it to the side. But listen, if you go to any bookshelf and you can pick any manner of books, and I'm a reader, I've always devoured books, and I love books, and I can read biographies, and I can read history books, and you can read a novel, or you can read fiction or nonfiction, you can read the Bible, even though they all look the same and they all feel like books and they all have pages, numbers, and words, there is something unique about God's Word. It's unlike any book ever written. In fact, here's what Paul said about, he said this, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. He says, all scripture is inspired by God. Everybody say, inspired by God. What he's saying was, it's God's living word. It's alive. It's not just another book. It breaks things down in us like a hammer. It cuts things out of us like a knife. It illuminates things in us like a candlelight over and over it gives us all these illustrations of things that we need. He goes on, he says this, and it's useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong. It corrects us when we're wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip people to do every good work. So let me ask you a question. Does anybody in this room feel like maybe they need Something beyond themselves to figure out what's right and what's wrong in this world. Like, I mean, we'll talk about this. I got a series coming up, but we live in a world where everybody wants to tell you what they think is right and what they think is wrong. And I don't want to get in the history of it. I'll save it for the series that's coming. But at some point, the cultural worldview shifted, and now all truths are equal. And what you believe is the same as what he believes, which is the same as what she believes. And that book's equal to that book. And I'm just telling you, God's word stands above the rest. It is our source of truth and inspiration and hope. And so it is our spiritual diet. It is the thing that we consume. It's not just the capacity to become like Christ. It gives us strength for spiritual battles. Let's go. Listen, I don't know if you know this, but every one of us in this room, come on. Have you ever, have you ever gone through seasons of depression and anxiety? Have you ever been fighting temptation? Have you ever felt, fight, fought the struggle to do what's right? Have you ever been overcome with the temptation to do what's wrong? Come on, anybody here ever felt the pushback? It's because all of us, come on, Lawrence Lawrenceburg, all of us are in a real spiritual battle. We have a real spiritual enemy. And what gives us the strength to overcome the spiritual battles we're in, not just to fight them, but to win them, to have victory, is in the power of God's Word. Come on. Why do we have a spiritual diet? Because it gives us the wisdom to know what to do. When you read the Bible, unfortunately, there's not a chapter on parenting. There's not a chapter on money management. There's not a chapter on, you know, raising kids. But it's filled with principles. That, again, as you peel back the pages of Scripture, you'll find God addresses every single issue that humanity faces from cover to cover whether it's marriage, divorce, relationship, anxiety, hurt, heartbreak, fear, depression, money management, how to be a leader, how to run a business, how to treat your neighbor, divorce, like it's all in there. And so if you're looking for a compass, if you're looking for something in your life to fix north, God's word offers us the wisdom to know what to do. It's our spiritual diet. It's it's the revelation of our Redeemer. Who is God? What is God like? How can we know Him? It's found in the spiritual diet of God's Word. I want to lean into uh, a parable that Jesus taught. And Jesus, again, he, makes, he kind of takes another leap forward in this, in this idea of helping us to understand the significance. Of our spiritual diet, and we all got it like right. We all understand that the same way physical food get, goes into a physical body and gives us strength, that we need spiritual sustenance to go into our body. He says, ultimately, he makes another comparison. We're going to read in Luke chapter uh, Luke chapter fourteen or Luke chapter eight, and he teaches us this parable of the sower. And the same way food goes into a body, now he changes the illustration. The same way food goes into a body, he talks about something that everybody at least is familiar with about seed going into the ground. If you'll take a seed and you'll put it into the ground, it always brings a harvest. Come on, I'm not here to talk about agriculture. I'm here to talk about life change. Anybody here need some life change? This is what Jesus is talking about. Listen listen to what he says. Luke chapter 8, it says, One day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. He said, A farmer went out to plant his seed, and as he scattered it across his field... Some fell on the footpath where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among the rocks and it began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for a lack of moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. And this seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as was planted. So that's interesting, Jesus. What does that have to do with us? Well, again, he's Using something that we're familiar with, the concept of agriculture, farming, putting seed in the ground, to teach this spiritual principle. And he says this, verse 11, this is the meaning of the parable. Everybody say these next five words. The seed is God's word. Come on, y'all say it, Lawrenceburg, come on. The seed is God's word. And the seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing In being saved. It's powerful. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. Good word, pastor. Come on, high five. That was money. I love the word. Wow, felt like you was just talking to me. And then you leave and nothing really changes. They believe for a while and then they fall away when they face temptation. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. And the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. Here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying that there was a farmer who went out to sow seed, and the seed fell on four different types of soil. One type of soil was the hard soil that the seed couldn't get into the ground. Another kind of soil was the shallow soil. The next kind of soil was weedy soil. I don't know if that's a word or not. I really couldn't find it. I looked for it, but I couldn't find a better way to say weedy than weedy. So we're going to say weedy. Everybody say weedy. Weedy. Write it it down. W is how I'm spelling it, W-E-E-D-I-E, because is my word. I can spell it how I want (laughs) (laughs) And good soil. And this seed goes into different kinds of grounds and gets a different kind of harvest. And here's what he's saying is that the soil, the four different soils, are the condition of people's hearts. And some of us are just hard-hearted. And like we've been heard, and maybe you grew up in church, and a pastor offended you, or like you've looked at what's happening at like other religions, and other, like this pastor fell, or this Christian made a bad decision. It's so like you just hardened your heart. Like I don't believe in God. I don't believe none of it because this guy didn't live it out. Listen, you're not, we're not following each other. We're following Jesus. Nobody's perfect in this building. It's only Jesus. That's the one we keep our eyes on. And so he, he says like some are hard-hearted, and the word just can't even get in you. He said, then there's some, he said, like the word gets in you and you celebrate it for a minute, but there's, you face all these other things, these temptations and like, you don't really ever grow into it or you never really own it or walk in it. He said, then there's some, the condition of the heart is like, they really love God's word. They like, they're the people on the front row. They're the ones taking notes, but then they leave the building. They walk away from the dining room table. They put down the page of scripture and they have so many other things competing for their attention that God's word is drowned out in their life. But there's some people that recognize they need a good spiritual meal, and they lean into the word of God. And when God's word gets in them, it changes them and brings, this is so powerful, it says that seed goes in and it produces a crop, a harvest of a thousand fold, which means something that went in you brought out something greater from the inside of you. Come on, does anybody here need something great to come out of them? Let me just make this really clear, like all of us in this room, right? all of us watching in Lawrenceburg, everybody watching online, we all have things in us that we're trying to figure out. How do we get that out? How do, I get, how, do I get, how do I get the hurt out? How do I get the anger out? How do I get the bitterness out? Like I know this because counselors exist. I know this because addiction clinics exist. People have things in their life and they just don't know how to get it out. And some of us, trying to figure out how to get something in. I'm just looking for peace. I don't have it. I'm, I'm trying to figure out, like, what's my purpose? I don't have it. And so we have things in us we're trying to get out, and we have things that we want in us that we're trying to get in, and all of that is found in the power and the principles of the pages of Scripture that when we sit down and we open up our heart, God says, my word will get in you, and it will bring great things in you and great things out of you because it's a great thing going through you. Come on, somebody. We got to make room for a spiritual diet. This principle that God's word is talking about, again, this farming principle, like we got it. There's a diet principle. and There's a farming principle. And it's found everywhere. Not, I mean, in life, we get it. But you go all, all the way back to the very beginning, Genesis, God creates everything. And one of the things he says is God looks at the earth and commands fruit to come out of it. And he says that the earth, every seed-bearing plant came out. Why? Because once the plant came, if you wanted more plants, you had to take a seed out of the plant, put it in the ground, and you get more plants. And then when that plant comes out, if you want more plants, you've got to take a seed out of that plant, put it in the ground, and more plants come The reason some of us are not growing or maturing is because we're not putting seed in. After Noah's flood, God's word says this, Genesis 8.22, as long as the earth remains. Here's the principle I'm talking about. As long as the earth remains, there will be planting and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. He's talking literally, but he's also talking about this principle of putting seed in the ground. And he makes a step going back to the power of his word. Notice what he says. God says this Isaiah fifty five eleven. It is the same as the word farming. The principle of putting a seed in the ground is the exact same thing as my word. He says, "I send it out and it always produces fruit." Everybody say that. It always produces fruit. Have you ever sat down maybe to read the Bible and you're like, I didn't get it all. Like, I don't even know what I'm reading. God's Word can change you when you allow it to get in you, even if you don't understand it all. Like, newsflash, I don't understand it all. Like, I'm just going to be honest, like, this might, might make you feel uncomfortable. I'm the professional in the room. I get paid to do this, and I don't know it all. I've been reading it for 30 years, and I don't know it all. I went to school for it, and I don't know it all. But what I'm telling you is the more you lean into it, the more it will lean into you. The more you learn, the more you'll grow. The more you hear it, the more it will transform you. If you'll spend time with God, God will change your life forever. And notice what he says again. He says this. Here's the promise. He says, it's the same with my word. I send it out. It always produces fruit, and it will accomplish all I want it to do, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. What I'm telling you is is when you sit down to a diet of God's word, it'll change your life. Many of you guys have heard my testimony. I've shared it because I I love what God's done in my life. And I think there's something powerful about a testimony. Again, I wasn't raised in church, didn't go to church, didn't read the Bible, wasn't taught how to pray. I knew nothing about God, nothing about Jesus, nothing about church. Really until I started dating, uh, pursuing who is now my good thing, Shauna. Like I caught her. Chased her for a long time, but I caught her. I don't know if she ran out of of energy running from me or like wanted me to catch her, but at the end of the day, I got her. Let's go. (laughs) But we started dating. Sean and I gave her a note in the hallway, Akron East High School, because we didn't do the digital thing. We didn't have texting. Cowards text, men pass notes. (laughs) You say that again? Cowards text, men pass notes. So I handed a note going down the hallway. October 31st, Halloween, 1988. I don't know what it said, but I'm sure it was romantic. <laughs> and She said yes. And so we started to date. She grew up in a Christian home. I grew up in a non-Christian home. And her mom laid it down. If you're going to date my daughter, you've got to go to church. And so I didn't care about church. I didn't want to go to church. I wanted her. Church was just the obstacle I had to go through to get her. So every Sunday, I went to church. And it was, a, it was a hardcore Pentecostal church. Some of you don't know nothing about Pentecostals. And every Sunday, I, some really excited Hispanic person was in the service. And they were really glad to be there. Some of you don't get that. It's all right. It's just A message in tongues is another language. And so I didn't recognize it. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. But go ahead, bro. Like, get it. <laughs> And we would we would sing hymns, and we sat in church, and I listened to a message and message, and and I want you to hear what I'm telling you. I didn't I don't know what I was listening to. Never heard it before. Didn't make any sense to me. But God's word always produces fruit. And from October 1988, I started going to church. November, December, January, February, and halfway through March, March 19, 1989, I was in a place a conference for youth with about Six or 8,000 teenagers, and the Word broke through. And I said yes to Jesus, and my life was forever changed. God got a whole lot of stuff in me that had never been in me before and took a whole lot of stuff out of me that needed to come out of me. And that didn't come because a man was on a platform. That's because God's Word was going forth, and God's Word always produces fruit. If you want life change, lean in to your spiritual diet that is where it's going to come from. So if you're taking notes, it's important you hear this. The Bible is not a book of stories. It's a book of seeds. That every time you read it, Every time you lean into it, every time you submit yourself to it, whether you're reading a digital app, whether you're opening a hardback, whether it's a pay, whatever it is, leather bound listen, get into God's word, and it will get into you and it will change you. It is not just a book of stories or principles, it is a book of seeds that will get in you and it'll bring a harvest of life change. Come on, how many people here need some life change? Need to keep growing. Here's what's crazy is, I don't know if you caught it in the story, but Jesus said one of the things that people struggle with when the Word, we're trying to have that spiritual diet, when they're trying to make time... He said the enemy comes in and snatches the seed. Do you know why it's such a battle for you to make time? I know you think, well, I'm just lazy, I'm unmotivated, I'm not disciplined enough. Jesus said, no, behind the background, the enemy doesn't want you to get the word in you because he knows that's where your victory comes from. The more you get the word in you, the less effective the enemy is against you. So the enemy wants to be effective in your life, so he's going to keep fighting you to get you the tool that you need to overcome him. That's why there's a battle. Do you know why there's temptation in your life? Because there's a battle. Do you know why all these distractions are pulling? I'm too busy. I'm tired. I got kids. I got a job. Listening, all of those things are important, but nothing in life is more important than a strong, sustained spiritual diet. Are you eating your food? We got to make room for food. And while I'm happy to be the dude with the food on Sunday, you have to make room on your own through the week to lean into your own spiritual diet meals. I don't know if you caught this as well, but did you notice that Jesus doesn't identify who the farmer is? He says a farmer goes out to sow seed. The seed goes on to four different kinds of soils. The seed is the word of God. The soils are the the hearts of humanity. And if it gets into a heart that's open, it'll bring a harvest of life change. Notice he doesn't say who the farmer is. Now I get it. Obviously, he's saying that he is a farmer. In context, Jesus is going from city to city, region to region, preaching the gospel, talking about the kingdom, declaring who God is. His disciples are following. He is the farmer who's sowing seed. But did you know that you can be a farmer? Come on, somebody. Did you know that you can sow seed into your family? Did you know you can sow seed into your workplace? Did you know you can sow seed into your school? Did you know you can sow seed into your own life? Come on, the seed is the word. You got all the seeds you want, but you got to learn to be, put yourself in the place. Now, now, I'm not talking about, listen, I'm not talking about the crazy, real charismatic Christians that like stand in the workplace. Yay for the Lord would say unto thee. Like, you don't even need to say that. You don't need to quote that it is the Bible for it to be the Bible. You don't need to say where, like, you can just be having a normal everyday conversation and, like, you got somebody, like, you know, really going through a tough time, going through a difficult time. Did you know you can give them a principle out of God's word and that principle will still be a seed into their life that'll change them and you don't have to say it's the Bible? Did y'all know that? Somebody like, wait, say that again? Like, God's never called us to be preachers. He's called us to be farmers. And he's given us all the seed we need. So my challenge for you is you got to get a spiritual diet in you so you can be a farmer with seed and you can start putting it and spreading it in the culture and community that desperately needs hope, life, light, joy, peace, and salvation. Let's not just be farmers for us. Let's be farmers for the world we live in. And so I just want to make this really easy today. So my goal, here's my goal if you've not caught it, is to get you to quit being the like, I don't want to eat it. It's coming. My goal today is to get everyone in this room, everyone in Lawrenceburg, everyone watching online, to start developing a regular spiritual diet. My goal today is to get you reading your Bible. So, number one, if you're not reading it, just lean in. Let's flip the script. Let's change the percentages. I don't know about costly being the lowest numbers ever reported. What would happen in this house in our communities if we had the highest stats ever recorded? I just wonder what would happen. I know it would happen because God says my word always produces fruit. So I don't want you just reading your Bible. Number two, if it will help you, there is a card. This This card was provided in the gift box that we provided for every family at the beginning of this series. And in it is a very simple reading plan. I put this together. It's going to cover the book of Acts. If you're brand new to the Bible, it's the fifth book in the New Testament. The first four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are biographical sketches of the life of Jesus. Who is Jesus? What did he teach? What did he do? That's what the Gospels teach. The fifth book is the book of Acts. It's a historical book, and it covers from right after the death of Jesus and the resurrection on to how did this message spread, how did it it go regional, how did it go global, How was the church built? How was it established? And it's really fascinating to watch God work through everyday average people like you and I to get the word out. So what I want to invite you to do is for the next 30 days, we're going to go together through the book of Acts. So you can do it digitally. You can do it online. You can do it with your paper copy, Whatever works for you. And get a Bible you can read. If you're reading a Bible you don't understand, you're reading the wrong Bible. I don't read Russian Bibles because I don't speak Russian. And I don't read King James English Bible because I don't speak 15th, 16th century King James English. I don't use thousands of these very often in my language. I speak 21st century English, so I read a 21st century English translation. Read whatever you're comfortable, whatever your native language is, find a copy. Here at Faith Church, we use the NLT, New Living Translation. It's very easy to read. So let's start reading together. If you'll take the challenge, let's do the 30-day challenge. We're going to go through the Book of Acts together. And I'll make it just a little easier. Is We started just a Facebook group just for this. That I'll lead it. You can go to our Faith Church Facebook page, click groups, and there you'll see a 30-day Book of Acts group. All of us can join it. I'll post on that. Some of our staff pastors will post on that every day. You can post your thoughts, your questions. Hey, pastor, what do you think about this? Hey, look what God showed me. Here's what God's doing. Like, we can just get on there and we can just chat and connect. On the backside of this card is how I still today do my devotions. When I open up the Bible, this is what I use. It's called the soap method. Soap method. Just read scripture. Just make some observations. Like, what are you reading? What's happening? What's And then you'll see there's actually some questions you can ask. Here's how you start pulling stuff out. What's the example to follow? What's the sin to avoid? What's the promise to claim? What's the prayer to repeat? What's the command to obey? What's the condition? Like, just ask yourself those questions. And then throughout the day, just think about that, pray on that, and allow God to work that in you. How many of us in this room or in Lawrenceburg would we'll be honest enough to say we need to change our spiritual diet. Come on, if that's you, want you to lift the hand. I just, I just need, to, I need to up my game. I need to change my caloric intake spiritually. How many people are willing to take the 30-day challenge? Heavenly Father, I come in the name of Jesus and pray that God, as we make excuses, as we wrestle through, as we fight to be disciplined, all the things that have held us back All the things that have limited us from digging into your word and having a healthy spiritual diet. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, God, you will, God, put a passion and a compassion and a conviction in our heart, God, to begin to lean in like never before to your words, that we're going to stop just living by our physical diet, and we're going to start living by a strong spiritual diet, that, God, you can put all the things in us that need in us and pull all the stuff out of us that don't belong. And, Father, I thank you in advance for the life change that's going to happen in this house over the next 30 days, in Jesus' name, and everybody who agrees said amen.